Testing. Are we here? Are we good? We're here. We're here. Nerds in the Word. Nerds in the Word. All right. Welcome to the Nerds in the Word podcast. Dan and Josh here in the mine shaft. The mine shaft, mine shaft, mine shaft. Mine shaft. We haven't been in here in a minute. Oh, man. It's been at least eight months. I mean, it's... since it was decently warm. Like what, October? Yes, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. And now it's like indecently chilly. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> we need to be here again. You know, and before it was kind of like a, a COVID ice or uh, social distancing concern. Mm. And now it's just like mineshaft is cool. There's no such thing as social distancing in the mineshaft. It's just two guys making a podcast. <laughs> in a garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Josh. Hey, Dan. Let me ask you a question. Yep. What do you like to do to relax? Like in your free time, you want to chill, you want to hang out. What do you do? Like what's your, what's your go-to? That's such a like uh, a Christian camp get to know you question. Yeah. Like reading what? books in the mind shaft. It's what I love doing, Dan. <laughs> well, let me, get this, <laughs> let me get these chicken fingers from the... <laughs> from the cafe and I let's just sit out by some, the beach and talk about rhymes. our free time. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. How's memory your verses. How's your spiritual life? <laughs> so when I have, I have three kids, so I vaguely remember free time. Ooh, um, mm. And when I have free time now, I sleep and go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but when I, I feel like, I feel like you're showing me a grand vista for what awaits me in my life. Yeah. Other than that, my free time is being recorded right now. <laughs> so when I, when I have free time, I talk to my friends mm-hmm. and I um, talk about, you know, just hang out, yeah. you know, talk theology, talk uh, politics a little a bit. A little bit. A little bit. It, that takes so much reading. I know. You know? And nuancing. <clears throat> and yeah. saying things gently sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I, I got in a, a long uh, Slack discussion, which is, you know, my digital version of oh, Slack. I don't even know what Slack is. Is that like Slack lining? It, is that no, you... it's like a, it's like um, like email. Okay. You know what email I is. I do know what email is. But it's like instant messenger, but it's like for work. Okay. So you message back and forth. And you why, not just use, why not just use instant messenger? Well, because this is a special, like, oh. protected one. You know? And I can send them, you know, big, great big I have people skills. I, I take have... it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I have people skills. Um, so, yeah, I think I had a long conversation this morning with the team that I work with about how I constantly get mistaken for John Hamm, the main guy in, in Mad Men. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, that doesn't happen. The, I'm telling you. <laughs> But it's as, uncanny, your appearance. It's uncanny. It is. There's no it's, pans it's, anywhere It's the way you part it. your beard. It's very John Hammish. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so back on track. Back on, so all that to say, all free that to time. Say, free time. So free time is different in the 21st century as opposed to the first century. Did you know that? that? So in the 21st century, when we hang out, a lot of actually our free time is spent, whether we know it or not, with like our individual family, kids, parents, uncles, aunts, like we do hang out with friends to some extent, but much of it is driven through the, like, uh, like the family system. It wasn't sure. that way in the ancient world, not by any means. And so in, for instance, in like in first century Corinth, if you live there, much of your social energy would have been spent in what are called like voluntary Roman associations or like clubs, like 
the Moose Club or the Elks Club. There are these male-oriented clubs, and if you're a guy in the first century and you just want to hang out, relax, blow off some steam, you certainly don't hang out with your family. What you do is you go with your boys, go to a banquet, and you, you hang out all night long. It's called a symposium, and it was incredibly popular. Uh, here's another question for you, Josh. Mm. Have you ever been to a, a Thanksgiving where at the meal, it's just incredibly awkward? Yes. Yes, relay, I have. Relay me a story. Relay you a story. Um, like Thanksgiving specifically or just any, any meal? Anything, yeah. Oh, any meal. Okay. Um, uh, the girl I was dating in college, um, and we were on again, off again for years, mm-hmm. and we would we lived in different parts of the country, so we'd get together when there was a family thing in between us, kind mm-hmm. of, <clears throat> and we went through one of our several breakups. Yeah. And we still had this family thing planned, and she was like, I still want you to be at the thing. Oh, no. You know, and we're like 20. Oh, no. So we were like 20 years old, so it was very serious. We are like, I prayed about it. I want you to be at the thing. <laughs> and it, yeah, that was a, wow. That was a lot of. I bet that was fun. <laughs> it's like, Josh, what are you doing here? <laughs> None of the parents know you're going to show exactly. up. <laughs> exactly. What are you going to do with your future? Let me remind you, you don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've I've had I've had my share of those. They they can be exhausting. Yeah. So think of the, like the worst meal you've ever been at in terms of just social awkwardness. Mm. That was the opposite of one of these first century Roman banquet meals. Okay. In fact, it was all about. I'll use a fancy word: convivium. It was all about enjoying the day, enjoying the food, enjoying the entertainment. It was all about enjoying everything about the meal, whether it was conversation or company. They often had a flute player, which was interesting. I know, right? That, that was a that was that, that, a very, very specific. Yeah. yeah. It was very it common to have a flute. It wasn't like an alto like, sax. Yeah, like. so like they, between <laughs> Kenny G shows up. <laughs> Specifically a contrabassoon player. Only that. Only that. <laughs> But like between between so like you have the meal and then you have the symposium which is more like the drinking party and between yeah. those they'd have a flute okay. player and they would entertain and all all sorts of stuff but there were rules to make sure that awkwardness didn't happen and so there there were rules about what you could talk about when you could show up if you could bring people who weren't part of the association with you mm. all of that mm-hmm. however when it comes to personal moral behavior how high do you think their rules were well, these are Romans. <laughs> I can't imagine there was a real uh, life. Imagine the basement and then imagine the four floors beneath that. Like the, the, the moral standard to get into one of these things was not very high. And so like, mm. could you have sex with anyone you wanted to, wherever you wanted to, even at the banquet? Yes, you could. Could you drink as much as you wanted to, basically whenever you wanted to? Yes. At the complete, banquet. At, as at, well. You could be hammer drunk. Yes, at, at, at the banquet. Yeah. Like, the only thing you really couldn't do is insult someone next to you or try to take someone else's position on the couch because there are some strict hierarchies there. But outside of those two things, it had incredibly low standards. You so could you do. could have sex with these people, but you couldn't steal their seat when they went to the bathroom. Well, you could have sex with their slaves. Oh, okay. Yes, all correct. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right. slaves are attending you all the time. Slaves like, that's just, that's just, like, okay. Half the Roman yeah. world is slaves at that point right. in time. Right. Uh, and honestly, like, I really think that, you know, as much as we might scoff at that, I think we have some modern day analogies to that, not in terms of like the crazy drinking party, but in terms of just like what we expect from certain social organizations. So I play indoor soccer. Uh, do I, do I care if my teammates are playing by the rules on the field? Of course I do. 
Of course I do. Sure. Do I care if the guy I'm passing the ball to is an ap- absolute scoundrel of a husband? No, of course. If he no, can play soccer, really I'm probably going to play with him. Right. Unless he's obnoxious about it. By and large, there's lots of associations or clubs that we're a part of where as long as we're together and we're getting along, it's great. And life outside of the party doesn't really matter. But the church was dramatically different. And so let's just, let's just think about the standards of the Roman Association Banquet. And then with that in mind, let's hear the strangeness of Paul and how he talks about the table in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. And so this is what Paul says. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning people, meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or, and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would have to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, if he is guilty of sexual immorality, or greed, or is an idolater, or a reveler, or a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even, and this is, this is the kicker, Josh, do not even eat with such a one. For what do I have to do with judging outsiders? It is, not those inside, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God will judge those who are outside, but purge the evil person from among you. Mm-hmm. This, Josh, is an absolutely odd behavior. Right? Christians cared not just about behavior at the banquet, outside of the banquet. Right? Christians cared not only how you treated people in the banquet, they also cared about how you treated the everyday person who's walking through the city. Right? Christians limited all sorts of things that no one ever limited. Sex drinking, how business is done. And so it's, it's, it's so interesting if you, if you read Plato's Symposium. At, at, so like the, the, the center character of Plato's Symposium is Socrates. And by the end of the book, everyone is just drinking to their heart's delight. And Socrates is alone in the morning. He didn't sleep. He didn't crash. He's alone in the morning talking philosophy with one of his, one of his table fellows. But the reason Socrates is virtuous is not because he didn't drink. He drank a ton. <laughs> the reason Socrates is virtuous is because he can handle it. Right? In the Christian world, that was unheard of. Like they they limited everything and no one did this. Right? Now the question I want to ask is why? And it's because Paul when he was setting up these little Christian communities around the the Mediterranean rim, he actually cared about the standards that Jesus set for his people. If you claim to be a Christian, then you need to be abiding by the standards that Jesus taught or repenting. So this doesn't mean you have to be perfect all the time. In fact, there's a really good commentary by a guy named uh, Thistleton. Anthony Thistleton, I think is his name. And he, he points this out. He's like, it's not, it's not about perfect behavior. The Christian community was never about perfect behavior. They would take in sinners happily and then ask them to repent. They would deal with people's shortcomings happily as long as they're repenting. But the moment a Christian not only fell into, let's say, abusing their slaves, but also refused to repent of it, that's where Paul then steps in and says, that's not okay. Because the meal shows the people who we identify with. We cannot allow ourselves to be identified with such people who don't care at all about the standards that Jesus taught his followers. And that's Thistleton, not Thistletown. This is Thistleton as in Thistleton Abbey. Oh, what? Like Thistletown Abbey, <laughs> Thistleton Abbey. Anyway, just a point I thought 
Point of interest, you know, that's my contribution. If you, could, if you could have seen my facial expression, I was like, what on earth is going on? Um, and so, okay, let's, let's, just, let's just reflect on this for a moment with our contemporary Christian moment, where it's very easy to identify as a Christian and yet have no association with a local church, uh, no one who's credibly holding your, you accountable to any sort of standards whatsoever, And as we look at the dynamics of American Christianity today, I think we're falling into the very trap that Paul was trying to prevent. And that is namely that people are calling themselves Christians without having any of the odd virtues that are associated with it. What do you what do you think about that, Josh? That's interesting. I mean, it's. um, Yeah, you do. You do have like. One of the one of the things that it, that's a huge cultural conversation right now is cohabitating before marriage, sure, where it sure. just becomes like it's so common now yeah. um, that that there's just no I don't know there's just no thought about it mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so you know how how does that work? What would Paul say? Well, I mean, <laughs> WWPS. <laughs> What would Paul say? Well, what would Paul... I mean, I think Paul would call people to repent. And that's just what Jesus did at his table. I find it really interesting. When you look at uh, the, 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 par- the, the parable of the great banquet in Matthew... I'm going to say it's Matthew 25, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus invites everyone in. Everyone's invited. Go out to the street corners. Bring people in. And then once the banquet has commenced, he finds someone who refused to put on white clothes. And the, guy, the guy's... He's kicked out. Mm-hmm. Jesus invited everyone in. Like you don't, you don't have to have some sort of standard to be included in the meal. But once you're included in the meal, you have to put on white clothes. And I'm not even just talking about moral standards like cohabitating or what, like what you put in your body or what drugs you do or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm even talking about like how we relate to everyday people. And so, like, are you a businessman who's absolutely grinding your employees into a pulp? Mm-hmm. Well, in Paul's mind. Like when you're sitting at the table with him, he's asking you those types of questions to understand how, how, is, how is your identity as a Christian being infused into every aspect of your life. And so it's not just mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the, the four or five sins that all Christians say are bad. It's mm-hmm. also, it's, it's, it's the, the host of it. I mean, so it's what, swindlers, idolaters, revelers, all of these errs. Mm-hmm. Like in Paul's mind, the gospel pervades every aspect of our life. And because of it, and this is this is the interesting point to me, it needs to be reflected in the people we associate with at the table. And now that might sound horribly judgmental, but I think we can look at it from a different point of view. Like how amazing is it that Paul actually leveraged something as common as table fellowship and then used it as a tool for personal, moral, and ethical formation. Like that, that's an absolute innovation in the first century. Mm -hmm. And I think as Christians, we have so much room to ponder, like, can the table do the same thing in our context? Mm -hmm. Can we talk about more than just the football game or the baseball game or the, the, the weather? As we get together with fellow Christians, can we really begin to develop the type of relationships that actually reveal the things that Paul is talking about here? Even our business dealings are under consideration. And in that, can the table actually become a place where Christians are formed? I, I think that's a fascinating question mm. that Christians today need to need to consider because whether it's Christians on the left doing all sorts of things, or if we're honest with ourselves, Josh, Christians on the right saying all sorts of hateful things, mm-hmm. Absolutely. both yeah. need to be held accountable. And I think Paul's word is as true then as it is today. Absolutely. And, and I think... 
I think it's interesting that you see like Paul in context there saying um, sexual immorality and he follows that up with greed. Yeah, correct. Like greedy yeah. right away. Yeah, like, yeah. Wow, who's not greedy? Yeah. You know, blah. Yeah. <laughs> you know like that's... Nerds in the word brings in so much cash, you guys. You have no idea. Like we are Absolutely. just... <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we clipped that part out of, <laughs> out of Paul because of his... You know, the wads of cash here in the mineshaft with us. <laughs> and the broken sleds from the Goodwill. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I, I saw somebody, and I can't remember, it's one of these discussions online. You know how people are really cool on Facebooks, on yeah. Facebook debates. Yeah. Um, very nuanced, very considerate. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very good table manners mm -hmm. on, at mm -hmm. Facebook online, you know. Um, they, um, somebody was saying, you know, it's somebody who had grown up in the evangelical church. I don't think I identify as evangelical anymore. She said, nobody talks about sex more than evangelicals. <laughs> 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 I thought that was hilarious because it's like, I mean, it, it is a fixation on that to the exclusion of other, yeah. other sins that can be more insidious, well, yeah. that can be destructive, that can be corrosive. And, and that, you know, like shouldn't shouldn't be part of the deal basically. yeah there, i mean there yeah. there is i think very little hierarchy when it comes to sin sin is sin and it will capture our hearts in some way and paul wants to make sure that we are prevented from falling into some of those trappings uh that sin would lay out for us and so to prevent that he created the most odd community you could ever imagine and i would say that that community didn't just change their roman context but that spread and spread and spread until we have the cultural mores that we have today or the ethical mores that we have today where we still, by and large, work to treat each other well, not just within our in-group people, but even our out-group people. Uh, and I think that is just a beautiful reminder to us of how wonderful and beautiful the Christian worldview is. Thanks, Humana. Cheers. Cheers.